As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 131 of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm Mary, and I'm here with my co-host, Jamie. Today, let me just say before we before we start our intro, that our intros to the intro are pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it consists of a formula of Mary and I saying, what should we talk about today? And Don going, hey, I wish you guys were more prepared. And then us going into a fit of giggles. And then a bit more back and forth, Don again insulting us, us then insulting Don, <laughs> and then we hit record. Every single time. Does that sound valid? Pretty much. I feel like we're so good at planning the actual content that sometimes the intros, you know, we just yeah. see what, how we're feeling that week. Yeah, exactly. Totally. I, I agree. It's more entertaining for our listeners. We're looking out for our listeners. That's what we're doing. That's what I'm saying. Like this week, it's Monday we're recording and I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) And it's only Monday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little burnt out. I'm not going to lie. Well, you had your first first official school day today. I'm in the fetal position under my (laughs) desk, weeping and eating Doritos. (laughs) That sounds about right for the first day of school. I have this virtual school, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's a lot. It's I'm a feeling lot. energized. Sorry, Jamie. That's because you're not are sorry. in school. My kids are in school. Yeah, that's true. Life changing. 
I'm grateful every single day. Mine go next week. Yeah. Just one week of virtual. It's going to be great. No, but generally I love Mondays because, well, I actually, I never book appointments on Mondays. It's a boundary for me. And I use Mondays to like get a lot of my work done. Like just the work that I want to do, my priorities for the week, whatever it needs to get done, I do on Mondays. So then I feel really accomplished for the rest of the week. It's very nice mentally. Oh, that's smart. I do. I also do that. I do not book appointments on Mondays and Fridays. And then the week comes and appointments come. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, for like my scheduling link that we would send out to um, either, usually it's potential new clients, sometimes existing clients, but for the most part, it's more people who want to do strategy or consultations with me. They There's a pretty limited time block for that. And then I have other blocks that I set for existing clients and, you know, it's sort of like a a whole matrix, but I do try to leave Mondays and Fridays blank. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel better about my week when I have it set up like that. And every time I don't do that, I really regret it right after. Yeah. So I've been really good about keeping to it lately. It's hard to feel like, even if you, I mean, we talked about this before where you like don't want to work Sunday night because mm-hmm. then that's your weekend and mm-hmm. you're just like creeping into the weekend. But then you wake up and you get up on Monday and you're like, oh my gosh, it's like, if you have if you have appointments or meetings, you don't have any time to have that like hour of organization time you may need. I try yeah. to leave my for uh, my Fridays like afternoons so that I can set be set for Monday. Yeah, but inevitably emails come over the weekend and yeah, there's always stuff to yeah fix or look into. You got to be flexible. Mm-hmm. I'm tired though. I shouldn't be tired. Yeah, it's only Monday. I know. You're allowed to be tired, though. Thanks. It happens. I think it's only I only had one cup of coffee today. Oh, that will do it. See? I just realized that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And you're only just realizing it because you only had one cup. And I'm tired. This is a problem. I need to fix this immediately. (laughs) Who are we talking to today, Mary? Because I need to go make myself a cup of coffee. (laughs) Today, we're talking to Nicole Giordano, who's the founder of Startup Fashion. She's one of my really good friends. And her story, I love her story because she started She started quite a few years ago before memberships were what they are now. Like a, a lot more people are starting memberships now. She was kind of one of the first ones to start. And she started it off of her fashion blog mm. that grew over time. Yes, fashion right up your alley, Jamie. You've piqued my interest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so she actually helps, her membership community helps designers and people that want to start their own line or have their own fashion line. And it could be handbags, clothing, accessories, like anything, um, and helps them through the process of starting it up, of growing it, building it. It's a great community. So you talked about memberships? Memberships. Yes. Everything about memberships because yeah, it's one of our, our topics for September, right? In the theme of programs, courses, memberships, launches. Um, I learned a lot from Nicole, even with, even with building the Transitions Collective membership community. So she has tons of great tips. That's awesome. Yeah. Memberships are different sort of animal than like courses or you have to treat them differently. So I'm, I like that we did a full episode on just memberships. Yes. Agree. Yeah, it is so different. And she goes into the tips and what what makes it different for even for leaders, if you're the leader of a community 
what that looks like compared to compared to some other types of businesses. Very cool. Why don't you tell us about her? Yeah. So Nicole Giordano uses her 17 years of fashion industry experience in her work as the founder of Startup Fashion, an online community and resource helping thousands of global independent fashion designers with building their businesses. Over the past seven years, Nicole has built one of the industry's most read fashion business blogs and created the first business education hub specifically for independent designers, giving them a place to access an extensive library of resources, as well as connecting them with one another to share information and exchange ideas. She is a professional encourager and believes that the only way to be truly successful is to build a business around the life you want to live. And now on to the episode. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited you're here and we're talking all about membership today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You, in my mind, are one of, well, you're one of the top membership membership people that I know because of Startup Fashion, which is a fantastic community. And so I'm so excited to have everyone here all about how you got started and tips for memberships. I feel like they're really a they're becoming more and more popular, if you will. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll we'll get into all of it. We'll get into all of it. So first, can you tell tell us a little bit about how did you decide to do to launch a membership community? Well, um, I began as a blog. Um, so Startup Fashion was a blog to begin with, and it was gosh, two thousand and nine, and I in my industry, which was the fashion industry, I had a lot to say and share. So I began this blog, but I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. And it was kind of a different, it was a different kind of fashion blog because at the time there were all of the like, you know, style focused fashion blogs. And I came out with a fashion blog that was about the industry and what it's like to be a new designer and and all of that talking about the business. I did that consistently for years and was able to build up a an audience and a community around the blog. And then in around 2013, I was trying to figure out what to do with this because I, I was working in the industry. I was doing my own thing. Um, I was I had learned a lot and I had all of these people like listening and, and talking to me. And I realized there was an opportunity to make this something else. And I just or I shouldn't say something else, but build on it. And I just wasn't sure what that was going to look like. So in 2013, not a lot of people were doing this membership based thing. It became clear to me that I shouldn't be the only one talking and that they should be talking to each other. It was like a natural next step. You know, my partner in life is also my partner in the business. And so we decided, okay, let's let's take this and make it into a membership based model where not only are we connecting all of these people together where they can be sharing stories and learning from one another, but we're actually able to make money off of it. And it, it's it's an actual business. Um, so that's what kind of inspired that first step in that direction. Um, of course, there was years of learning what to do and like making mistakes and fixing them because, you know, there was, and at the time there was no like te- tech around it. Like now you can just, you know, get it onto a platform and easily launch a membership community. But at the time, it wasn't like that. So there was a lot to learn. But that was what that's what inspired it. Yeah, that's fantastic. We'll probably get into the tech part, too, since, <laughs> since it's so important for this. OK, so how about what are some of the what are some of the reasons that you see people 
why would they want to be adding membership to their, say, portfolio or to their business? Sure. (laughs) So I think there are a lot of benefits to it. Some of the things that come to mind first would be you're able to take what you're good at, your expertise, your knowledge, and impact a lot more people than when you are only working one-to-one or with, you know, a small group. And that's great. You know, like you have a lot to offer and why not find a way to impact positively um, a larger group of people? So that's a real benefit where you've got like, you've got knowledge around something and you can, you can get that to a lot of, a lot of folks. Um, I would say, Another benefit is the financial bit of things. So there's the side of like your income not being tied to the amount of hours that you can put out. You know, you can that that's a it's an it's a good shift in the world of entrepreneurship. Um, but there's also like the predictability of your income, which is fantastic. You're not you know going after clients every month or or whatever. It's assuming you have a strong retention strategy and all of that, you're able to have a decent prediction of your income in, you know, next quarter, next year, and you can plan within your business for growth because of that, which is really good. Another benefit is the peer-to-peer mentorship aspect of it. So whatever, you know, the first thing I said was that you have, you're able to take your expertise and share it. Well, you're not an expert in everything. You're not expected to be. And so this idea of being able to connect people to one another who can bring in their own expertise and experiences makes what you have to offer so much richer and has, has gives it so much more depth, you know, like there's a lot, a lot to that. And I think it's a, it's a major benefit. And then I guess the last one would be the idea of marketing and how word of mouth marketing is like, so great when you are good at running a community. (laughs) So it's just this idea of like, we all know as business owners that there is nothing better than when your people are marketing for you. Then, you know, like when you're tooting your own horn, that's one thing, but when others are doing it for you, it's, it's more powerful and it, it goes a long way. And so if you are really good at running your community and you're bringing real value, that word of mouth marketing is going to naturally happen. And so that is a huge benefit of, of, of this model over others. That's fantastic. I love those points, especially let's dig in a little bit to to running the community and what it takes to be a leader of a community. What kind of skills do you think are required for that? That's a good question. Um, I I would start with something that I actually don't think is a skill so much as a characteristic, which is mm-hmm. I think you really need to be an empathetic person because you have to care about all of this because it is a lot of work. (laughs) It's a lot of work. And so you have to really care about the people that you're hoping to serve with this community and you have to act on that. And so I think that if you, if that's not a characteristic of yours, I would think about, is this the right route for you? Um, Or is there someone you need to bring in to help you run this community? But I know that I built this business myself and my partner built this business because that's, I am an empath and that's a big part of um, what I offer in this community. So that is certainly a big part of it. I think in terms of other things, you have to have um, a willingness to like put in the time because community doesn't like take off right away. You have to like really embrace being a connector, understanding that you have to be in there 
communicating, tagging people, connecting them to each other. If you want to build a strong community, it can't just be this like outpouring of just information or like speaking at. You really have to embrace the idea of um, making those connections within the community. Um, that's a, it's a big, big part of it. And it's something I see people ignoring a lot um, when they launch communities. So I think that that's another important part of things. And then you have to be a really good listener. You have got to listen to what your people are saying, what they need, what they don't need, and really have a plan or a process in place for what you're doing with that information. Because yes, it's important to listen. You listen to them and you take in this information, but what are you doing with that information? How are you figuring out which information to act on, which versus like which information to just sit with for a little while and um, think on for the future? But I think that that's, those are all really important things. And how about some of those common mistakes? What are some of the common mistakes that you see people make when they're when they're trying to launch or, yeah, in the beginning of running a community? The first thing would be very much tied to what I was saying just a minute ago around your need to be in there actively doing it. So you cannot just disappear. And I see this happen with both bigger companies and like individuals who launch communities where you create that connection before they become a member. They, they feel connected to you or the person behind this business. And then they join and you, the person you're not spending any time in there. Maybe you've hired a community manager or maybe you haven't and you're just relying on the fellow members to make this run. But that is a huge mistake to just sort of drop off the face of the earth um, when once somebody becomes a member. And it sounds so obvious, but it happens all the time. And I know this because I've joined communities where that's happened. I know this because I've had my members say to me, like, I love being a part of this and I can't believe how active you are in it because that's not my experience with other communities, mm -hmm. you know? So like, that is a big one. Like I said earlier, like this, not putting together a system for listening and like really tracking that and, and deciding what you are going to do with that information. I know that a lot of people don't do that. So it's a big mistake. Another one is not send, setting boundaries or expectations, both for your members and for yourself. Yes. So when it comes to your, yeah, right. Like, so when it comes yeah. to your members, like <laughs> you're going to find that if you launch a community, there are going to be some people who mistakenly feel that when they join a community, it's the same as getting some one-on-one -on -one and, you know, coaching yeah. and things like that. And you have got to set up the expectations and have those guidelines in there around, what they can expect from you. Make sure they know how they can connect with you, the individual, whether that's like, okay, give them giving them a dedicated email address where, you know, you let them know we check this once a week and we reply to members that way. Um, letting them know that they can like um, ask you something in a Facebook group if that's how you're like running that community or in a forum. Making sure they're aware if you like show up once a month on video for Q&A, like these are the ways that you can connect with me and get your questions answered so that there's not this expectation on their end that they can just reach out to you all of the time mm -hmm. and get that response. Um, but then the boundaries part having to do with yourself, just if you are an empathetic person and you are someone who really, really cares about the people in your community, which I hope you are, you're going to want to do 
everything for them. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. just going to want to <laughs> give them everything. And you have to remind yourself that that actually doesn't serve them. It does, definitely doesn't serve you, but it doesn't serve them either. Because to show up for your community, you need to not be burnt out, right? You need to be creative and thoughtful and um, and strategic and all of the things that make a good leader and a good um, business person. And if you are just, you know, stretching yourself too thin and like, giving everything, you can't show up for the community as a whole then. And that's a problem. So those boundaries are important both for their expectations and for your own, I don't know, sanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so we're recording on video. Obviously everyone can't can't see us because it's a podcast, but you would see, you can hear probably that Nicole got animated with this topic. <laughs> and I will confirm for you that she has said these things to me <laughs> many times. <laughs> And this yes. is part of why, why I think she knows and feels very strongly for this topic. So if you are planning to start a membership community or you have one already, please, please take note of that. <laughs> Well, yes, Mary, you and I have had this conversation because that yeah. is you, right? You are someone yeah. who cares so much about your members with the Transitions Collective. And so it's like you want to give everything. And sometimes I have to say, Mary, hello. <laughs> <laughs> like. Take a step back. <laughs> I know yeah. it's so true. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I love talking about this stuff because you can see with like different types of work, you know, different types of business models, like what the challenges are that come up for people as individuals and as business owners. And I think that's a, a huge one for community leaders, really, really big one. Okay. Let's jump into some of the tech stuff. Sure. And I, I know Jim isn't here as well, but <laughs> but yes. you know enough of the tech stuff too, so it's fine. Um, so what would you say are the are the biggest things you really need at the beginning when you're starting a community? That's a good question. I think it's not necessarily tech related. I mean, you do need some kind of platform. So what's great now is that there are all of these platforms that exist for you now. Like if you have a blog and you have WordPress, you can get MemberPress as an extension. There's like Mighty Networks, which I know mm -hmm. launched. Um, there are others. I think people build communities even on like Kajabi and things like that. Um, yep. So these things exist for you. And I would say decide on the one that makes the most sense for you budget wise, um, based on what you're comfortable with in terms of the tech. Um, like we went with MemberPress because our, our blog was built on WordPress and we're comfortable in the WordPress um, interface. Like we know how to use that. So that was just natural. So I would decide on one, but don't overthink it. Like you do not need lots of fancy things. Just just pick one, right? Um, do, do a little bit of research and decide what makes sense. I think the other things you need to think about and create are like, what kind of community is this going to be? Is this purely based on connections, referrals, relationship building, where you're um, you're not really offering any kind of education or content? There are communities out there that exist that that's part of it, and that's fine. You just have to decide if that's the route you're going. Or are you going to supply some kind of content, um, some kind of education, something like that? If you are, thinking about what that initial, like, you know, kickoff content is going to be. This is another area where people can spend way too much time trying to create so much stuff up front and not not realize that if you spend too much time creating everything up front, you're removing that need 
or that um, necessary component of listening and creating based on need. So I would say the other thing you need to do is just come up with something like, so as an example for us, it is education based as well as community based. And so we, we had like 10 little um, mini courses when we launched, we picked 10 topics that we thought our members really needed to know. And we created a video and a workbook for those. And that's what we launched with. That was probably even a little more than you need. You could probably get away with less than that. But coming up with that initial batch of content, creating it, feeling good about it and having it there. Because you you need something when they join for them to like dive into and like sink their teeth into if you're going to go that route. Um, so definitely that part of it. The other thing that you need is definitely that um, system for listening. That can be something as simple as like a Google Doc where you're just dropping dropping the feedback in, you know, like, are you sending them a survey after they've been a member for one month asking some important questions? And are you collecting that information? Are you, you know, acting on it? That kind of thing. I would say those are some important things. I don't know if there's anything else tech related that you were thinking about that you'd want me to talk about. But as you mentioned, Jim, who's my partner, handles the tech side of things. I guess an email. I mean, you have to make sure you've got like your emails set up. I would be thinking about your tagging system, making sure that you're tagging people who are members versus not members. So you can really start tailoring and customizing that communication, which is really important. That would be another tech thing. Those are all great points. I think for for starting out, I love those things that you said about really just not overthinking it and um, <laughs> and really just doing something simple. How about, did you see that your tech changed over time and you started to evolve a little bit of that as your community grew? Yes. For us, it's a bit different though, because as I mentioned, when we began this, there weren't a whole lot of platforms out there that made communities easy. easy. So we had found one. Um, and I won't name them, but we had found one years ago that was not great, but it was like what was out there. And then a few years, we were using that for a couple of years, but they weren't on top of the trends in technology and all of these other mm-hmm. companies like MemberPress and stuff were popping up. And so it became very clear to us if we wanted to remain competitive and we wanted to really deliver a fantastic experience to our members, we needed to shift. So that was a big project going from one platform to the other. Um, but we we also, our, our tech evolved, but so did like how we presented the information. Like, I think that that's something that um, community leaders can get caught up in in the beginning too. Like this, they want to give content and give information and they're really worried about the user experience, which is important, but you're going to again, collect that feedback and adjust as you go. So don't think about it too much. I mean, when we first created our the content, it was like a video. And then the workbooks were literally like, I created them in PowerPoint, turned them into PDFs, and then like uploaded that it was a mess, right? Like, it didn't look good. (laughs) But, but it was valuable information. So our members didn't leave, like, as long as you're delivering value, you're okay, it doesn't have to be perfectly beautiful. But then as we collected information, like, I'm finding it hard to navigate the site, or I'm confused where to go from here to here, we collected all of that, We had some money at that point to invest, so we changed over our platform. We brought in a designer to make the experience a lot cleaner. Um, And, you know, it's still an ongoing thing because as you grow, especially if you're a content-based community, you're going to have lots of new stuff that you're 
adding over time, right? Now we have been doing this for years. So we have years worth of members content and it can still sometimes feel overwhelming. And so we're still, we listen and we make ongoing tweaks like, okay, we need to clean this section up because it's confusing people. Like it's always going to be that. And you have to kind of embrace that as just part of running something like this. But as long as you're listening and, you know, making those changes, all will be well. Amazing. I love all of those. So I know you've mentioned some already kind of throughout all of this, but is there anything else that you would say or that you can think of for for kind of some common mistakes that people make with memberships? Yeah, I mean, let me think what else. Um, I would say a big one would be like before you even launch it, not assessing if this is something that is right for your audience, right? Mm. So I think it can feel really appealing to think about launching a membership-based community because it, it it can sound like, oh, well, I will just take all of the things I know and I will put it in one place and people will pay me every month or every quarter or every year and it will be wonderful, right? <laughs> like, yeah. um, okay, well, <laughs> so the first thing you have to really assess is like based on who my people are and based on what how I serve them right now and what they need from me, does putting this into a community format or a membership format make sense for them and what they need? And you talk to them, you need to find that out. You need to figure out, you know, what is the value I bring and will that value still be there if I do it this way instead of the way I'm doing it now? And so a mistake is to really be enticed by the like sexy aspect of throwing everything behind a paywall and collecting cash. And it's not really how it works. So really thinking about that aspect of it, is this right for them? Um, Will it still bring them the value that they're getting now? And I would say you don't have, it's not as if whatever you're doing now, if you're a coach or whatever your approach to business is, it's not as if you have to give that part up. This Launching a community can be a component of what you offer, but just make sure it's a component that will still bring value and that some, if not most of your audience would want to, um, as a way to receive information from you. So I would say that's probably a big, a big mistake that we hadn't talked about yet. Yeah, that is a big one because I I know people can struggle with that and really, what is the point of what they're trying to do? Or if they, how about if they don't have an audience yet, Mm. what would you say to that? I would say that, well, what do you mean when you say they don't have an audience yet? Like they haven't, they have no brand or business. They've not launched anything. Okay. Maybe they have a little, maybe they have a little bit. That's a good clarification. Maybe it's very small, but maybe they don't have other offers right now. So they're like, they're just starting out with their business. They have their brand. They're figuring out what to do. And they say, oh, I'm going to do a community. I feel like people fall into that some into that trap, I will say sometimes because of what you just mentioned with, I'm just going to put stuff behind a paywall and just it's passive income and all of those kinds of kinds of thoughts. Right. Yeah. (laughs) This is a good question because I actually think that if you have a small audience, you have a lot of opportunity to launch a community that can be really, really powerful in its early days because it's intimate. And I think that that is something that people overlook. So it, it, 
I feel like it's the same like with your email list. Like people are like, I only have 200 people on my email list. Well, that's 200 people that are interested in what you have to say and you can build real relationships with as opposed to once you get to, you know, 30,000 on your list, you're not able to answer every question you get and all of that stuff. So when it comes to community, if you have, you know, you've, you have a brand, maybe you've got, you've had a blog out there or maybe you were doing like some local meetups in your city and so you've got like some people around you, um, back when we could do meetups, um, but you know, <laughs> oh gosh. Um, this is actually a really great time to launch something like that because you have this small group of people who are looking to you, even in these early stages, because you do have expertise and you're, you know, talking about something and sharing something with them. You can have those conversations around, here's what I'm thinking of doing. I'd love, you know, to launch this in this way so we can come together as a community. Um, Is that something you'd be interested in? You know, you start with a beta group where you're either giving them um, free access or heavily discounted access, depending on what you're going to offer in that beginning of the community. A great time to be collecting feedback. It's a great way to create really deep relationships. You know, when you get to hundreds of people in your community, there's only going to be so much you can do in in really creating those relationships. You can, you know, I have relationships with my members, but I can't give all of them lots of time. Whereas if you have a community with 10 people in it and you're bringing real value and you can have those deep discussions, you can, I mean, you can be like life-changing for them. And that's such a great thing. And then there you go with that like word of mouth marketing and then it naturally starts to grow. And as long as you then put those boundaries in, set expectations as growth starts happening, you will have taken something that started out where you thought at first maybe, oh, it's so small or it's so tiny, like does this count? And it it did count and it was so powerful that now you're able to expand that without losing the value, but while also setting boundaries and expectations. So I say go for it. If you have a small group of people and you feel like this would be a great thing for them, do it and do it like you know, just extra, like make it so great. I mean, what can I even say to that? (laughs) You are amazing. So everybody listening, if you are thinking about doing a community, let this be your, let this be your push because Nicole just gave us all of the details. (laughs) You are so fantastic. I love you. Okay. Another question before we close out, what is something that you used to fear in your business, but don't anymore? So I used to fear, um, I mean, as basic as it sounds, it was like being on camera, showing up on camera, like it, and that was like with my audience outside of my membership, it was within my membership. It made me like want to throw up. Um, and I know this is very common, but it was something that was really, really challenging for me. And every time I would like get ready to do, you know, a live um, Q&A with our members or like do a training session with our members or anything. I, I mean, I was like shaking in the beginning. It was awful. Um, and really the only way you get over something like that is you continue to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. But what became really obvious to me was that I started to feel really connected to our members. So especially within the membership, I started showing up more as me, meaning like, you know, when you're doing videos and stuff for like your business outside of a membership, just your audience as a whole, you know, you want to make sure that you kind of look a little professional and, you know, you've brushed your hair that day and all that kind of stuff. What became actually really awesome was that within the membership, 
I stopped caring about that. And I don't mean it like, oh, I just stopped caring. And like, <laughs> I didn't, I mean it like I got so comfortable and the connection and the bond became so strong with my, my members that they actually, you know, loved seeing me come on to video with them sometimes in the morning because I had this really important thought I wanted to share with them while I'm like drinking my coffee and still in my robe. And that, that relationship and that bond really started to um, solidify. And I, and that took me a while to get to that point, but it was like, it's become so powerful where even now it's just like, you know, show up with like my hair wrapped up with a pen holding the bun up and like, you know, my glasses on and my, all my notebooks around, but I wanted to talk to the members and like share some, you know, important piece of information that I just think would be so helpful for them. And I think that's part of the reason why I have such a strong community in terms of like them wanting to stay on and be a part of this because they feel very connected to me. And, and that was really important to me. And so that video thing went from like, you know, making me want to throw up to <laughs> showing up with my coffee and robe on. So it's a big difference. <laughs> That's a huge difference. Well, and I will say that I, you know, you would never know that someone meeting you now, of course, would never know. Like even when we went, so for everyone listening, we went to Tech's World last year, back when it was in person. And um, it's a big fashion apparel type of event suppliers, fabrics, all of those things. And Nicole was, was speaking at, um, I don't know what you would call it, like at one of their, in one of their showrooms or whatever, but like speaking on a topic, I think about starting your fashion business. And let me tell you, it was standing room only. The place was packed. Nicole was there and she just, she just comes up on stage, like easy as can be like, this is me. And, and just was like, just giving everyone this phenomenal information, just like what she just gave us today. And it's just, you know, you were just there and everyone was captivated and it was amazing. So you would never know that from years ago. You've had lots of practice, I guess. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. It wasn't always like that. I definitely <laughs> used to shake holding the note cards like before going up there. But yeah, I think like that as in general is an important thing for just like businesses where we're talking about community or not, like as a business owner, like stop listening to other people telling you like what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to look like, how you're supposed to present yourself. Like I used to get feedback from people who would say like, well, you know, when you're doing these videos, you might want to like come across more professional, like don't wear a white shirt because it makes you look pale. Like I would get all of these like crazy pieces of like well-intentioned feedback. And I, I'm not the kind of person who creates videos, you know, with my hands folded in front of me and doesn't like throw my hands all around. And I think that that's important to embrace that and like be yourself in things. And the sooner you can start reminding yourself of that in your business, like the, being yourself is actually going to help you grow, um, the better off you'll be. I'm not saying it's easy, but if you can ignore that and really um, just be yourself, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to get easier and you're going to have more fun doing it. So I think that's an important lesson just in general. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about startup fashion and where we can find you? Your membership is going to be open. So tell us all the details, please. Sure. So startup fashion is a, um, it's an online business resource and community that supports uh, independent startup fashion designers as they're building their businesses. So apparel, jewelry, handbags, shoes, scarves. I mean, we have like every kind of member. Um, and we really, our membership is in two, is twofold. It's the educational bit, which I've been, I was talking about earlier. So all the step-by-steps, the videos, the templates, the tools, 
And then it's the community, connecting designers to each other, really allowing them to help one another, um, that peer-to-peer mentorship, sharing experiences, all of that. Um, So we've had many hundreds of designers come through our program, go through our framework of like, okay, how do I either take this idea that's in my head and turn it into a product in my hand. Or if you already have that product in your hand, how you like take all of those goals that you have for growing, growing it and turn them into actual accomplishments. Right. So it's a step-by-step that we kind of walk our designers through and our members through. Um, So yes, we open membership twice a year. We are open um, when this goes live, we will be open. Um, So we can be found at um, startupfashion.com. Um, specific to membership is members.startupfashion.com. I'll link everything also in the show notes so people can easily access it. Nicole, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm so glad that everyone gets to hear all of your expertise and wisdom in this area. It's really special. Thank you so much for asking me. I love talking about this stuff. So it was, um, I'm very flattered. Thank you. That was awesome. I'm a fan. She's amazing. Yeah. I love that's Nicole. Good stuff. Do you think yeah. she'll hang out with me and talk to me about fashion? For sure. Yes. She's super fun. And she's really into, um, I've actually learned a lot from her too on like eco, eco-friendly, like fashion, sustainable fashion brands and stuff like that. That's fun. I have um, a contact who is an attorney. I met her at like I was speaking at an engagement and she was in the audience and we were chatting and we just ended up following each other on LinkedIn. And she is huge in the sustainable fashion world now. She's sort of shifted her practice. It's really interesting. And fashion law is very interesting, but her specific sort of angle was, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's really cool. So that's a good, that's a cool space. Yeah. Very forward thinking. So I want to hear if people are members of memberships. That's hilarious. Are you a member of a membership? (laughs) I would love to know if anybody's in a membership community um, and what it is and why you joined it. So I think that should be what we chat about in the HQ this month, this week. But all month if you want to. (laughs) Yeah. So that should be what we chat about this week. I'm tired, (laughs) y'all. Wow. She's really tired. Oh my goodness. If you do are not a member of our Facebook group, you can find us at the Fearless Business Podcast HQ. You can also find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere where you listen to podcasts. And if anyone would like to gift Jamie with a coffee gift card or subscription, please, please feel free. Yeah. Help me <laughs> out. Because she needs it. Help me out. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time.
You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Steve Turney hosts a great podcast geared toward mental health marketers called The Boost. Steve, tell listeners what you cover on the show. The Boost is our podcast, and the tagline is conversations with people promoting mental health, and that's what it is. So it's marketers, company executives, therapists, and mental health advocates talking about what they're doing to move this industry and this important thing called mental health forward. Amazing. And where can people subscribe? I'm big on LinkedIn, so you can find us there, just uh, slash Steve Turney, or you can find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Boost wherever you get your podcasts. You heard him. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.